My name is Daisha Clay. I'm the audio librarian here at Classical 91.7. While I'm a real librarian, I have a deep, dark secret. I know very little about classical music. I grew up listening to rock. And I know something about jazz. But when it comes to classical... The thing is, I want to learn. And as it turns out, I work with people who know a lot about classical music. Every week on this show, one of my coworkers will give me a homework assignment, a piece of classical music they think I should know, and then we'll discuss it. Come learn with me in the classical classroom. This week, uh, Chris Johnson, host of Afternoon Drive, gave me my homework assignment, and Chris. What was my homework assignment? Well, your homework assignment, Miss Clay, was to listen to two very different recordings of the same violin concerto by Antonio Vivaldi. And I purposely picked one that you might have heard before, Autumn, from the Four Seasons. One was with Itzhak Perlman and the Israel Philharmonic, and it was recorded back in the mid-1980s. And then the other one was with the Italian violinist Fabio Biondi, and his Baroque ensemble, his Italian Baroque ensemble, Europa Galante, and it was recorded back in 2001. I tend to respond to music emotionally first, okay. before anything. Okay. Most of what I listen to, I listen to because of how you know it makes me feel. And when I heard this piece of music, it reminded me of rich people having an outdoor celebration. That was what I thought of immediately. And, you know, just on a sort of visceral, emotional level, due to my not being a rich person, (laughs) I I didn't really feel an emotional connection with the music. And, And then the second thing that I noticed was that there is so much harpsichord up in this music. <laughs> there really? is, yes, and especially in the um, the, ver- the non-Itzhak Perlman version. Yes. Um, so much harpsichord, and I think that one is a little bit uh, higher pitched, too, so it was particularly jangly sounding. Jangly? I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that's <laughs> the technical term for it. So clearly, you connect to the music on an emotional level. I think that's the case for a lot of people. I think that's worth noting. But then also, like, there were these two different recordings, and I'm really dying of curiosity. Did you notice anything different between the two? And if so, what was it? Well, first of all, I really preferred Itzhak, Itzhak Perlman's... Really? Yeah, violin playing. Okay. Oh, man, that guy can tear it up. Well, he's, he's a pretty good fiddler. Yeah, he's pretty good. What did you uh, like about it? He just plays with such emotion he so clearly connects with the instrument and is able to express himself yeah uh, so thoroughly there seems to be so little separation between him the music that he's playing and the instrument Interesting. and i just thought that you know that just really comes across in the recording the other guy what was his name fabio biondi 
he was okay. Who, who, by the way, is you know, in the process of recording literally everything that Vivaldi wrote. Well, his playing is which n- is a lot. <laughs> nice, I'm sure. Uh, his his playing is nice. Uh huh. But it seemed a bit more perfunctory. Really? Yeah. It may also have been that I just wasn't crazy about the arrangement. There was one thing that I really liked in his version. And I was going to ask you about this. Uh There's this really chunky sounding instrument in the background. And I don't know if it's like a strummed bass or something like that, but it's this really cool sort of chunky sound. That's actually a combination of several instruments. And there's a fancy word for that in Baroque music. They call that the continuo section. And I won't get into how that developed or whatever, but in Baroque music, there is a group of instruments that they lump together and they call that the continuo. And it's essentially the bass section of the band, if you will. And it can include any number of different instruments. In this case, they are using several things. You hear cellos, bass, okay? So cello is the one between your legs. Mm. Bass is uh, something like an upright bass, mm. okay? And harpsichord. And in this case, they're using a theorbo and or a Baroque guitar. So so a Baroque guitar is not unlike a modern classical guitar, you know, with, with uh, uh, gut strings mm-hmm. or nylon strings mm-hmm. versus steel strings like, you know, you hear in country music. Yeah. Okay? And then a theorbo is in that guitar family. It's a plucked string instrument. It's very big and unruly, and it's got this big, long... What's the word for that? The neck. The neck, yeah. yeah. It's got this very long neck and big, long strings, and, and you put all of those things together, and that's what provides the bass section and also the rhythm. So, And it's very different than what you hear in the Perlman recording, because... He has essentially a harpsichord, and that's it. Another thing that I, I noticed about uh, in the in the third movement. Yep. So the the Europa Glante. Yes. The, it sort of treats the third part very much like a like a waltz, like it's very bouncy mm-hmm. sounding. Yes. You can literally feel Europa Galante sort of going boing, boing, boing over yes. the notes. <laughs> well, look, that is why I actually uh, feel the opposite as you do about <laughs> these recordings. In the third movement of this piece, they are depicting the sound of hunters setting off on their bloodthirsty pastime. So you can imagine there are people on horses and dogs literally bouncing. And the music's supposed to depict that. Huh. You know. That, that's interesting because the other thing I was going to say that I noticed in their version, and there was a little bit of this in the Israel yeah. Orchestra's version as well, but they really oscillate in the forcefulness of tone. Yep. Like, there's sort of, they get, they get very quiet, and then they kind of, like, go back up, and they do it over and over. They Is sort that of the, go, are you saying that about the Europa Galante? Europa Galante. Yes, Does totally, that? totally. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's why I like them, because there's so much, for me, 
more variety. There's of a lot sound. of texture in that sound, yes. for yeah. sure, which yeah. was interesting. And there's a lot of like little extra notes in the viol- in the solo violin part. Mm-hmm. He just throws in a whole lot of like decoration and okay. choruses. And, okay, like, I'm coming around to your way. Yeah, of thinking yeah, yeah, here. yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. different because, like I say, when I listen to Itzhak Perlman and the Israel Philharmonic, it's like visiting an old friend. I should say it's more like going to grandma's house. Mm-hmm. You know how when you go to grandma's house, the furniture's all a lot older and it's nice because it's home and you grew up there and it's very familiar and you've been sitting on that sofa at Christmas time for your whole life. And at the same time, it's the same old sofa you've been <laughs> sitting on your whole life and <laughs> it's kind of a little bit worn. Yeah. You know, it's it's so familiar that it's be- gone beyond something that is familiar and is just something that's old and probably needs to be replaced. Well, that kind of leads me into... And that's into... kind of foul. I hate to say that about Itzhak no. Perlman, but, you know, it, it's not just him personally. It's If you listen to any other recording of this music made at the same time, it wouldn't sound much different. The final thing I wanted to ask, do you connect with this music personally? Is this something that you more appreciate or, or something that you actually like? Is this something that you might that you might listen to for uh, a fun Chris time? Well, that's a tough question for me. Because, you know, you're talking to somebody who spends at least eight hours a day pretty much listening to classical music all day. And that's not to say that it's just work for me. But the majority of my life is surrounded by classical music, whether, you know, and it's like literally 500 years worth of classical music from Gregorian chants that were written for, you know, mass at the cathedral at Notre Dame to pieces that were written literally last week and have all the elements of pop and in some cases hip hop, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in their music. And so that is a world that I inhabit. So when you say, do I love it? Yeah, I do. I do. Do I listen to Vivaldi when I get home? Nah, not much. It's not that I wouldn't. It's just that that's what I do during the day. So I see. I'm actually happy to listen to Kesha when I, (laughs) you know, I say that I'm not a huge Kesha fan, but like, but um, I like listening to pop music when I'm not at work because for me, that is a world that's unfamiliar to me. And I have Mm. to, I have to try to appreciate it. Like a lot of people feel like they have to try to appreciate classical music because most of my day is spent living in a world where Vivaldi and Bach and Haydn and Mozart, Mm. they all swim together and so I have to make an effort to stay grounded in what most of the rest of the world is listening to. Well, I love that you try to appreciate pop music. <laughs> I, I do. I think I think that's great. And I am also going to try to uh, bring classical music more into my world because I think it is so interesting. It's just this whole uh, world that I know so little about and yet am constantly surrounded by here right yeah this has been a great conversation let's do it again